Hey caffeinators, welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe, the only cafe with hydrolyzed protein scones. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our caffeinators for tuning in today and for their continued support and uh, by buying our merchandise that Dave is working so hard on designing for uh, Patreon, Ising Us, and check us out on Patreon there, and continuing to download our episode and subscribe to all of our channels. We really, really appreciate the support. Again, if you're new to the cafe, welcome. Um, we hope you have a great time here. We'll buy you a cup of coffee. But you can head on over to vettechcafe.com for all of our info, for all of our channels. Check us out, um, and, and we hope you stay around a while. Dave, how's it going out there? I know you're bracing for another storm, which you love like a biting chihuahua. It's a North Carolina storm, so it's it's not really a storm, but uh, North Carolina right. treats it like it's an apocalypse. I mean, we just had the storm last Sunday, and... You know, that was, I don't know, two, three inches, but a lot of sleet. And this this coming one is was actually enough yeah. to make us cancel our trip up north. So hoping to do that at some other point to get up and see my family. But, I mean, the again, you were the one that told me that we had a storm coming. Uh, <laughs> I, ne- I never find these things out myself. And, and just the – yeah we, we just need to stop planning travel for the winter because it just never works out. Yeah. And you were saying before we logged on today that – uh, Robbins House Hospital is already closed for tomorrow, right? In anticipation of it, was that right? Yeah, they, which they, is pretty common out there. Yep, they they've closed, but also, you know, a couple of the other hospitals in our area have closed down. Even though, you know, the the latest report was up to a half an inch of snow, and I was like, up to? How do you even measure that? <laughs> Again, down here they they right. they don't have the the infrastructure yeah. or the funding for getting rid yeah, of the snow absolutely. like we do up north, so. I understand it. It's, yeah. it's just frustrating for me, the northerner, to see a half inch of snow and thinking, what, right. what, what right. what's happening right. here? <laughs> like, I can still see grass. Why? Why? Yeah. Why is everyone yeah. shut down? <laughs> but how's things going out there? Beautiful weather, I'm assuming, like 70, 80 degrees, no snow. Yeah. It, yep. Exactly. Uh-huh. That's about uh-huh. what it was today. It was warm enough to sit out on the patio with the beer and the sunshine and and enjoy. So yeah, that was uh, that was nice. But yeah, I, we have not had a measurable amount of rain yet in January, so that's kind of a downer. But well, for me, probably for most people that live here, love it. You know, I know I always ask you about uh, what's on your mind, but I wanted to uh, to give a shout out to something. So this week, there's a California Veterinary Medical Board meeting, um, which pre-COVID you could actually attend, and you can actually still attend now, but by by Zoom. And they have them every, I think it's every other month. 
I think they're six times a year, but some cool stuff that was coming out of the Veterinary Medical Board meeting, and we posted it to the Carve to page, and then uh, I shared it to, to our pages um, on Facebook and Instagram. So on the Veterinary Medical Board in California, there has been historically one RVT to represent RVT issues, and they are discussing the VMB proposed adding a second RVT to the board for better representation for RVTs, which is super cool. Yeah. And there's a subcommittee of the Veterinary Medical Board called the MDC or the Multidisciplinary Committee that is now discussing the approval of RVTs being paid to administer prescribed treatments without the supervision of the DVM. And what this looks like, think about a cat that's getting like a uh, chronic kidney disease cat that gets sub-Q fluids at home. The way it's written in statute currently an RVT cannot go to their house and administer those fluids without the direct supervision of a veterinarian, even though owners can give those fluids to the cats at home. It's just right. kind of a weird loophole flaw in the way the language is written. So they're working on fixing that. And then the other thing I think is super cool is they're finalizing the language for giving VTS as title protection yeah. um, and designating NAVDA as the, uh, as the of course, the approval body for specialty programs. And, and Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it, I don't think there's any other state that has title protection for VTSs. Uh, to my knowledge, that will California would be the first. Oh. And caffeinators, if you hear this and your state does that and we are in the Yeah, law, let us know. Please let us know because I would love to uh, put that out there. But to my knowledge, California would be the first for that. So um, super cool stuff. Still a lot of work to do on all of that. But baby steps, baby steps. It's just kind of neat that with, again, um, joining your state organization, your state vet tech association, being a part of it is even if you're not an active committee member or a board member, your membership, that the numbers actually help make yeah. these things happen. So Thank you to CARVTA and their members in California. We've asked a lot of the caffeinators previously for CARVTA issues in the past, so it's nice to see some good things coming out of it. So um, I'll keep everybody posted on that, but but super cool stuff. So I'm pretty excited about our uh, our episode today. Um, this is yeah, going to be too. we've been trying to we've been trying to get this one done yeah, for for a while, months um, now, and at least since the summer, I yeah, think. And, and this is going to be a first for me because it's one of my former students, uh, which I'm super super jazzed about. We have. Um, Rochelle Pastorkovich coming by the uh, Vet Tech Cafe today. Rochelle is an RVT in Southern California and currently is a full-time veterinary technician at SeaWorld in San Diego, but is transitioning to a new role at the Safari Park, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But she's been at SeaWorld since 2015. She became an RVT in 2011 after graduating from what was then Professional Veterinary Assistant School, uh, where I was a professor and is now Orange County Veterinary Assistant School. It's an alternate route program here in California. She's worked in specialty medicine in general practice, as well as in exotics uh, general practice that also does a lot of work with our local zoos, wildlife, bird of prey rehabilitation. It's a phenomenal hospital when I worked emergency where we sent any of the wildlife that we got overnight uh, the next day for further rehab and care. And uh, so maybe that's kind of what set her down that path, so to speak. So, um, but we'll talk about all of that. So I I'm super excited, Rochelle, for you to join us today. Thank you so much for taking the time out. What can we get you for a cup of coffee? My pleasure. Uh, I drank iced lattes with one pump of vanilla actually. <laughs> All right. All right. That's easy enough to do. We'll get going on. Yeah. That. Easy enough. Yeah. Um, so take us through your career path. You know, we kind of always start out with this question because 
inevitably there's always really cool stuff that either got people into veterinary medicine or, or that made them pivot and transition in their career. So take us through yours, what got you into it, some highlights along the way, all the way up to what you're doing now. I did want to note, I have been at SeaWorld since 2018. I actually... 18, excuse me. I asked you that before we went live and I didn't write it down and I got it wrong. That's my bad. (laughs) So thank you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I got into, uh, animal care, believe in 2006 and I had always been in, uh, either food service, like as my first jobs. Um, and then I went into operations, you know, office work, but I always had a desire to work with animals and I never acted upon it because I really thought that everybody wanted to do that. And, um, I wasn't really, (laughs) I wasn't really, uh, happy with what I was currently doing. Um, it just, there wasn't a lot of passion involved in it uh, for me personally. And I was talking to a f- girlfriend kind of confiding and said, you know, I just wish, you know, I could do something like, you know, work with animals, but everybody wants to do that. And she said, no, I don't. <laughs> I would never want to do that. <laughs> and I was like, really? So that surprised me. And just that different perspective, uh, you know, made me think, well, maybe I should look into this a little bit more. So I acted on an impulse, really. I was driving in Laguna Beach, which is a beautiful area here in Southern California. And I was on my way somewhere that I didn't need to be in a hurry. And mid-route, I spotted Canyon Animal Hospital. And it was this cute little house that had been converted into a hospital. And they've been there a very long time. But I basically made an abrupt left into the parking lot and uh, went in, asked for an application, And it was just one of those serendipitous things where uh, it was the right time at the right moment. And they happened to be hiring. The manager happened to be there. They interviewed me right there on the spot. And I got my first animal job. And it was it was really great. They needed office or excuse me. Yeah. Front desk help. And so I agreed. But a couple months later, I went begging. Can I please just go to the kennel and walk dogs once I understood the roles more? You know, I just wanted to be with animals. And she was Mm -hmm. like sure, you want to do that, then, you know, we'll keep the same pay and you can do that. (laughs) And I did that really happily for years. And I really started from the ground up, you know, walking dogs, bathing dogs, picking up, you know, dog doo-doo. And, um, but I was happy doing it. I really was. From there, I was able to grow in that little hospital from kennel to an assistant and then, um, then pursuing my license. So that was kind of the start. From there, you know, obviously small animal medicine and, and what you're doing now, very different. So what kind of made you, not made you, or what kind of brought you down that road to, to get out of small animal medicine into where you are now? Yeah, again, I just, I always had a passion for wild animals, going to the zoo since I was a little girl. And I just, you know, who doesn't love wildlife? And I was so enchanted by it. And it kind of seemed like a dream. I didn't, at the time, even really believe that it could come true. But I had hopes that maybe I could work with wildlife someday, you know, and I got my license and that opened a lot of doors. And then I went into specialty. I worked in Tustin for an animal dentist, uh, Dr. Van Ice. shout out. He's amazing. And um, Mm -hmm. I got a lot of experience there with 
running anesthesia back to back to back because that's all we were doing was anesthetic procedures. It's a referral practice. And that built my comfort level with anesthesia. Not that I didn't have it before. I was juggling multiple jobs, um, working all around. You had mentioned Serrano, and that was a great place as well uh, to get some wildlife experience. So that was always my dream. I loved working with dogs and cats, but I was kind of taking it wherever I could get it as far as wildlife experience. And so I did just connect the dots uh, as far as putting anesthetic as and in dentistry as my comfort level really opened a lot of doors. And I then was able to get some hands-on working experience with some wildlife at Serrano. And then I was also, actually, I should mention, I got my RVT license. I actually can't even remember, either in 2011 or 2012. And the first thing I did was reach out to a place called the Wildlife Way Station in the LA National Forest. And I had looked around at multiple places, but that one happened to return my call or my email, I think. And so, <laughs> uh, so I just kind of sold myself. You know, I have to say there's a little bit of you have to believe in yourself, uh, which is hard sometimes yeah. without experience because everybody wants to give you a chance if you already have experience. Well, how do you get the experience if you don't have experience? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Uh, so I just, it was <laughs> yeah. a little yeah. fake it till you make it. And I was eager and yeah. I said, you know, I'm licensed and I'm ready. And, and they were really kind. And then they, they let me in the door for a summer internship. And that was the first uh, flex of my uh, RVT muscle with wildlife. And they had everything. They had tons of animals there. So that's actually where I first, you know, uh, I, I think it was the first euthanasia I had to do. I hadn't even done that yet. And it was just, um, you know, quality mm-hmm. of life thing. Um, but it was it was really good. They did a lot of great stuff there. And that was life changing. It just I knew without a doubt, OK, no matter what I do from this point on, this has to be the, the end goal here. I have to work with wildlife. Right. And it made it more, you know, obtainable. That was some good experience. What, what kind of things were you doing with wildlife? Like I, I, I've, I know some people that do like wildlife rehab, but I never actually know like what they do. What's involved in the job? Yeah, it looks different. I think depending on where you're at, you know. Um, obviously, with us, we're technicians, so there's not a training aspect. That was an avenue I had visited, but you know, I'm happy where I settled with the medical end of it. But you know, in theory, um, at the dentistry specialty, I was able to see exotics, and that was pretty seldom. But it was basically animals with oral. Uh, problem needs would come in. And so we would, we would induce them with their specialist. So at that time, there were other uh, people that were very comfortable that would take care of the drugs and the handling. And then once they are good and out, <laughs> that is the difference I think with wildlife is there is no wiggle room with your pre-med not being on board. Um, so you really have to be yeah, uh, yeah. You know, careful with that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so far in that case, it was just, you know, oral procedures. And then in the internship role, I was, you know, doing things like preparing diets, but then also helping with procedures. Again, always, I can almost say always under anesthesia um, or some heavy sedation is the is the realm in which we get to work with them. But, you know, it could be something I remember they had a, a huge big cat 
population and some of the older cats just like our house cats they would uh stop grooming as well and we would have to take care of things like overgrown nails and so we would get in there we would start to see that there was you know maybe some issues going on with their pad and we would trim their nails but again everything's a procedure with wildlife because you can't do it voluntary for the most part right, i can touch right. on that a little bit later as far as with SeaWorld, because there's such a training aspect involved we do a lot of our stuff voluntary which is a beautiful thing but when you're working with i'd say it's safe to say with like land mammals um you know you can do some exams and things but you're not gonna you're not gonna trim a lion's nails voluntarily that's for sure so <laughs> they they probably don't uh they're probably not as receptive to fear-free tactics yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> probably not yeah so. but you know I, now... I, I would imagine the amount of feel away that it would take for no. a lion <laughs> the amount of feel away that they'd have a to lot, use for a lion yeah probably away. be yeah. a, a lot, lot. <laughs> a lot yeah. and then just thinking about like you know before we get too involved in the in the and what you're doing now, give us like your your state of the profession right now. Like, where are we as technicians? Where is the profession? Are we are we behind in in some ways? Are we making advances in some things? And I I, I would imagine that you know someone that's working probably I don't want to say non traditional, but doing things that the majority of our listeners are not doing. You must have a much different take on on what it looks like. Do you feel like your role is represented well in the in the grand scope of things or do we need to work on that? Yeah, I mean, I do feel represented. However, you know, I have a lot of friends that are currently technicians, mostly with domestic animals. And when I was in that realm, I felt like by the month, it was becoming more and more popular to go to school and get your license. And I feel like it's a really growing industry. Since I have assumed the role that I am in with with wildlife and at a big organization that I'm with, it's very competitive. And I think that there could always be more technicians to help. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. doctors really feel that as well and support that. It's just, you know, I think little by little, we're making progress in showing um, how much more, what's the right word, productive we can be and getting the job done mm -hmm. when you have technicians you know we're capable of doing so many things and using our eyes to recognize things where maybe the doctor can still you know be doing something else so i i feel like we are growing uh, that's my opinion um, but in my realm it does still feel fiercely competitive uh, very limited spots for uh, how many people that want them. Well, and just thinking about like, you know, what you mentioned, we talk about underutilization a lot in, in the technician world. It sounds like maybe that's even more more so in, in your current role. Do you feel like that? You're not utilized as much as you could be? Yeah. And, and I've experienced both sides of that. Again, uh, I was really lucky with my first practice. I felt really utilized and that was so cool. And I didn't know any different. And so we were kind of under the supervision of, uh, you know, the, the head doctor that was really like, okay, if it's not surgery and it's not prescribing and it's not all the different things that we don't do, then have the technician do it. And so I was really able to just uh, do so many things and experience so many things and feel capable. And that builds confidence and it's fun. You know, there's endless things that we are able to do uh, now. Currently, I can't speak across the board for all wildlife sure. jobs. But where I'm currently at, at SeaWorld, it is sort of an opposite where, you know, 
I think in a lot of like, say, general practice, the technicians nine times out of 10 are obtaining, you know, the blood sample or something like that. Um, in this realm, you know, the doctors might go out and that's a scheduled thing for the doctor. Now, I do that as well, but the doctors are so hands on that even though there's a shorter uh, or a smaller technician team, the doctors are also doing things that maybe they wouldn't be doing in a, in a general practice with small animals. They would, you know, right. take the dog to the back and hand it off to the technicians versus this is, you know, mm -hmm. the doctors going out with you or doing things that could be categorized as a tech duty thing. Gotcha. And you mentioned in there too, you know, the word I, I've never worked uh, in, a, in a wildlife position or, or anything like that. But the one word I've always heard to describe it is extremely competitive in terms of getting into it. And, and so to, to hear you say that is, is the same. And um, a friend of ours um, is one of the veterinarians that does some contract work for, for SeaWorld, Dr. Eric Littman. And my wife worked with him as an, when he was an ER vet in, oh, in yeah. Rhode Island. I yeah, love Dr. Eric Littman. He's a phenomenal <laughs> veterinarian. And he's been trying to get a residency, right, to, to do that as a specialist. And there are just so few mm -hmm. of them. And he is extremely capable. But, again, it's such a competitive field with so few spots that's the one thing I all. That's mm -hmm. the one refrain I always hear about that that side of, of veterinary medicine. And so it's 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 interesting to hear that it's that way on the technician side too. Definitely, it's kind of the opposite of of, of what we're, the rest of us are dealing with. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, we, in, in small practice right now, you know, we want people. We'll take whatever we can get. Just come on, please. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say I could be wrong, but I want to say when I applied at SeaWorld, there were over a hundred applicants for one position. Oh, so, I bet. Wow. You know, oh, wow. wow. Just, I... No, I'm not saying they were all qualified, but I know that, sure, you know, sure, of course, everybody of who doesn't want to work true. with, you know, amazing animals like of dolphins, course, you of know, course. and killer whales. A absolutely. Absolutely. So, so your role, your current role at SeaWorld. So, uh, again, for me, I I was never wildlife motivated or, or certainly like marine mammal medicine. So as a veterinary technician in that environment or in that segment of, of being a veterinary technician, what are your role? What is your role? What are your responsibilities? Kind of take us through a little bit of what your what a typical day might look like, because I, I have zero concept of that. It's fascinating to me. <laughs> well, it is very similar to, I'm sure, a lot of people's normal day in a domestic practice anyway. It's similar things. I do scheduling, uh, a huge amount of scheduling. In fact, I'm in charge of, you know, what our schedule looks like. We do have a lot of, I don't want to say emergency, but non-scheduled things that pop up regularly. But generally speaking, you know, I come into work and I check the schedule for the day. I prepare anesthetic procedures that will be coming in. Uh, we tend to do them in the morning, which again, that's kind of similar to a uh, general practice because you want your animals fasted. Um, so I'll prepare for that. They could be things just like routine exams, x-rays, blood, uh, you know, other diagnostics, ultrasound. And then also preparing prescriptions is, is a big part of my job, uh, maintaining the hospital, inventory. Uh, really, the job isn't that different. It's just the patients and the way you go about it is, you know, a little, very exciting. Okay. But really, um, everything... Every job I had before I worked with wildlife 
really prepared me for working with wildlife, you know, and I know now that sometimes they're looking for someone with a lot of wildlife experience, but I can speak to working with people with a different variety of experience along the way. And those that did have a strong background in other things like, you know, domestic animals and a busy practice do really well. So it's, it is really similar. Okay. I have I have one quick question that, that you kind of piqued my curiosity about with anesthetics with aquatic animals. Is it is it the same <laughs> medications? Do you use something different? And I know I, know I just had a, a vet out f- for one of our ponies and, you know, giving giving medications there like the, the doses like I gave I gave her a, a one mil of xylazine, which would, you know, essentially almost kill a cat. <laughs> Uh, however, for, for a horse, it doesn't really do a whole lot, but relax them a little bit. So what kind of medications or what kind of anesthetic protocols? I don't want you to go too deep into the anesthetic protocols, but how different is it than than small animal medicine? Yeah, um, you know, so it depends. So when you're working with actual, say, you know, aquarium life, so fish, they, we don't use any of the same things. Uh, we have aquarists that are really knowledgeable on those types of things. We, you know, the veterinarian is involved. Actually, our intern, Dr. Eric Littman, is that's his little realm. He's so good with anything in the water. Oh my gosh, as far as anything with gills, he's uh, he's got it figured out. So. <laughs> but um, no, so you know, there's there's different drugs with that. Um, as far as that would be dumping powder, MS triple two into the water. You know, we do a lot of seabird rescue, so we see all sea species that are found here on the coast. Uh, So from pelicans to little eared grebes to you name it, a ruddy duck, uh, we we see it. And as you know, with birds or may not know, uh, their metabolism is just insane. And so our dosing for them can be really, really high in comparison to say a cetacean, um, one of the dolphins or a whale, uh, you know, we have different types of, we have beluga whales, pilot whales, um, dolphins, and killer whales. And cetaceans, um, you know, they're kind of uh, lightweights when it comes to that kind of stuff. So you do have to, (laughs) when you compare it, you know, it just seems like a small dose. I'm, you know, sometimes I'm giving a pelican nearly the same amount of tram at all as I'm giving a dolphin, you know, and it's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, that's, that's shocking to me, you know. But then we yeah. also have, yeah, we have, you know, big pinnipeds as well, or, or I shouldn't say big. We have pinnipeds plus large pinnipeds like walruses to sea lions. And those um, are really dog-like. They really are. And again, to just reference the same drug like tramadol or something, if you had to reach for it, they would they would handle it very similar to how a dog would in a dog dose. Hmm. So gotcha. there's a, there's a spectrum. I'm I'm always fascinated by the the, the doses that and and my my like difference in um experiences like dogs and cats versus horses. I'm always just amazed by yeah. that. I was just really curious how how that worked out in the aquatic world as well. Yeah. And you you kind of touched on on you know an array of the species that that you work with. And I, I was going to actually ask next, you know, talk about some of the animals that you work with, some of the different species. And it already sounds like highly, highly variable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really is. You know, before SeaWorld, I had a lot of experience with, I'd say, cats and big, big cats and then just wild cats. That came from the internship, but then also my time spent at Serrano because they do see local wildlife. So bobcats, mountain lions, those are things that you would uh, see. You know, I did get a little variety of, um, you know, bears and birds and you name it at the internship. But then getting to SeaWorld, I mean, it's 
it's wonderful. It's it's nonstop. As far as rescue goes, our, we kind of separate it from like mammal side and bird side. And uh, we do even get, you know, sea turtles. We get all of Ridley turtles, green sea turtles. We will get sea lions, harbor seals. And then we get a ton of variety of birds, seabirds. So again, I, I'd say probably at least 15, maybe 20 different species of bird, uh, seabirds on the regular. Just birds. Wow. Wow. Yes. And then in our collection, we do separate the rescue element from our collection element because one one is with the idea of uh, rehabbing and then returning to the wild. The other one mm-hmm. is um, obviously uh, they, they remain in our collection. Uh, sure. And so we do have, I think, yeah, I did, pilot whales, beluga whales, killer whales, and then we do have dolphins. And we do have a couple different types of dolphins, but then we have, you know, sea lions, fur seals, walruses, I mean, penguins, tons of penguins. We have, now I feel bad as far as stats. I think anybody listening might say, (laughs) you should know that by now. But, you know, I want to say that we have nine different species of penguins represented. Um, So it's just really diverse. Our collection is huge. And there's similarities between you know, different sure. species, but then some, you know, if you take x-rays on a certain animal, say you, you look at a common puffin one day um, and you're trying to rule something out, you, the best bet is to try to find another common puffin to look at, you know, because, <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you make the, you know, um, each species can be so different and you don't want to miss sure. something mm-hmm. or falsely diagnose something. Not that I'm doing the diagnosing. But. <laughs> For sure. Gotcha. So, yeah. so you know, I mentioned this when I was reading your bio, you know, you were one of my former students and, and I joked about this before we came on air, but it, I know it's true. I didn't teach you anything in tech school <laughs> that, that has prepared you for what you're doing now in terms of the, the, the animals that you're working with specifically. Now, maybe, you know, learning to draw blood or, or, you know, different things you're checking for, what have you, sure. But working with those specific animals. Um, I know that's a huge deficiency in, in tech programs. I know that it is. So when you think back to your, your time in tech school and, and what you're doing now, is it just, like you said, kind of an accumulation of things you've learned along the way? Do you think back to, you know, things that you, you learn? Because I, I feel like, you know, we teach small animal medicine. Sure, we teach some large, some avian, maybe some exotic or rabbits. But this is an area I feel like probably nothing at all. <laughs> well, well, I would argue that you did teach me a lot, actually, because <laughs> I, I really, I, I learned so much from you. And I think the biggest takeaway was actually just being practical and, you know, using your, your brain and you do that in any aspect of this job. So, sure, um, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there isn't a lot of prep for it. I think my passion for what I wanted to do really put me in a competitive type feel to want to be good and challenge myself with new things. So as soon as I'd done that, it's like, okay, I've done this one task. Now I know I can do it, you know, and, and doing that with a variety of different species along the way does build your confidence. But even when I got to SeaWorld, I would guess that they would have you know, there's a chance that they could have wanted someone with a little bit more wildlife or marine life experience, I should say. Um, But what really got me the job probably was my comfort level with anesthetics. So again, there's 
there's a huge crossover. Mm. And so even though, you know, I hadn't necessarily ran anesthesia on a C line before I had been a part of how many anesthetics before that. And so just feeling comfortable in one realm makes you a little bit more comfortable when you are trying something new. Some of it, it's, you're not recreating the wheel every time you do it. You know, there are a lot of similarities. And so it would be neat if you could expand the types of animals that I think that we're able to learn about. I mean, marine medicine in general is still a pioneering field. You know, I, I work with vets that are actively writing papers and being published because it's not in a textbook. You know, many things that you're looking for as far as with smaller animals, you can find, but there's not always you know, a reference for it. And so you just take everything that you've learned and try to apply it the best you can. Um, with phlebotomy, I, I think that's my favorite aspect of the job. I know that's so silly. Like, no, not at, I all. Just, not at all. I always have felt that way. I mean, the first blood sample I ever got from a dog, I was like, just like freaking out <laughs> thinking that was the coolest thing ever and um it never stopped from there and i think to this day every single time i see blood fill my syringe i am happy about it so um, <laughs> <laughs> that never goes away so you know from that aspect i think once you understand the the, the techniques that are involved with even like a dog i can you know a, a dolphin fluke is a lot different it feels different it's firm but the concept in theory is still the same so it's not as different as you might think it interesting it's a cool perspective well what, before we get too far into this why don't we take a little quick break here and we'll uh play some bills and we'll be back after the break the vet tech cafe is sponsored by better help better help online therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours it's not a crisis line and it's not self-help it's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at BetterHelp.com reviews. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the VetTechCafe, where we are still not the official podcast of the National Football League, but we are, we are working we're, we're on it. We're sort of working um, on it. We're sort of working on it. We're not not I mean, working on it. <laughs> we're not not working on it. Exactly. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's still it's still a goal of ours. Yeah. It's maybe like third or fourth on the list. Yeah. 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 So, Rochelle, you know, we just had an ad for BetterHelp.com, uh, and you know, we we try to focus a lot on mental health issues uh, on on this podcast. So, in your career and in your life, how do you manage your mental health? How do you get away from your job. One of our guests that we just had on recently said that I am not what I do, uh, which I think is a, a fantastic way to live. H how do you make it so that you're able to like separate work and home life? Well, I think 
something I would love to throw in anytime talking about mental health is that practicing self-love first is really important and uh, not being mm-hmm. hard on yourself and giving yourself the credit that you deserve. But I, I definitely reach probably for exercise for those endorphins. <laughs> That's really helpful yeah, yeah. for me. Um, I don't always get out there because it's really easy to say I had a really long day and I don't feel like doing it. But I do mm-hmm. notice a significant difference with my stress level, um, my sleep pattern, and just my mood when I'm staying active. But I think that's something that I could probably work on as well. I think that we're always trying to manage that. We are, yeah. yeah. I think we're all, always always trying to improve that because, I mean, it's, it's a lifelong process, really. Yes, yes, it is. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, and try to enjoy as much of what you do as possible. Awesome. So kind of getting back into what you're doing now and, and your, your new upcoming role, uh, before we leave SeaWorld for, for what you're what your next adventure is going to be. I want to know, did you have a favorite type of animal to work on there? Mm, You know, that is really hard because I love them all so (laughs) much. I mean, really, I love, you know, I love a lot of the different types of penguins a lot, but um, my go-to, I can safely say is the walrus. I am Mm. obsessed with the wallies that we have. Um, They are fantastic animals. They are so large, they take your breath away, but they're also really cool. They're similar to other pinnipeds, so like a sea lion. I love walruses. They're fantastic. And then we have, you know, they're just like a almost very similar to a giant sea lion, but they're so eager and very, very intelligent. They would definitely be my favorite just because they do take your breath away. <laughs> they're, they're stunning. Is there one species that stands out that's like the most challenging to work with? Uh, you know, I think this answer would be different for anybody you ask. This is definitely a subjective sure, uh, answer. But in my opinion, again, uh, the, wal- the walrus is really great. Sea lions are fantastic, really able to be trained if you need to. They, they understand a lot of vocal uh, training, hand gestures, and they are willing to please. So they're really great. I always heard that dolphins are like the dogs of the ocean. And my takeaway is that they are not. They are the horses of the ocean, in my opinion. <laughs> so um, I find them to be a little bit more flighty and eager to kind of jump away and distracted and that kind of attitude versus a sea lion is so maybe willing to to please. So it, it's it's just different, I guess. Cool. And now now that you're moving on to Safari Park, what is your role going to look like there? What's talk, talk to us a little bit about what your role is going to be there. You know, I am actually slightly unsure because I haven't started. Um, <laughs> I have heard a lot of things, but I don't really know. I'm so excited for what's to come. Again, every place I've gone, I've taken something with me as far as uh, experience and, and knowledge. And I'm really excited to expand because um, there's a ton of animals there that I have never worked with or maybe even seen. You know, I've gone to the zoo or the safari park growing up, but their collection is nearly endless. They've represented so many species there that I just can't wait for the diversity. I already get that um, in my job now, but it's just going to grow even more. So I am looking forward to that. 
I hear there's a lot of independent field work and things like that, which doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me already. Um, a lot yeah. of times I spend my day, you know, my horm- you know, my morning could be in five different areas of the park. So what prompted your move to them? It's a funny thing because I always did want to work at the safari park. It truly was my dream job of all jobs, but I, I didn't know if that would really happen. And there was a period of time that I applied and applied and applied and it just seemed like, you know, that maybe it was just too competitive. Um, And then when I landed Mm -hmm. the job at SeaWorld, I fell deeply, madly in love. I loved it. And I would have been perfectly happy if that was the last job I ever had. So it was wonderful. But when this opportunity came around this time, I, my qualifications and things opened the door finally and the momentum took over and, you know, I got the spot and I just, I kept pinching myself. I really couldn't believe it because I did <laughs> want it for so long. Uh, and then I almost had lost sight of it. I was, I, like I said, I was really content um, with the job I had, but it came true and, and I'm happy to go. Got it. Uh, you know, I, uh, we had, uh, previously, Dave, I want to say this was way back in 2020 on an episode when we had Mark Romanowski on, who, yeah, I, yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, and he, uh, Rochelle, he's a tech, uh, zoo, zoo technician who he's, uh, at a zoo in Wisconsin now, uh, but he's a, a, a VTS in zoological medicine. And so I'm, I'm curious is as far as veterinary technicians in this segment of the field, is there is there a lot of opportunity for advancement or or do you kind of learn what you need to learn to do the job that you have and and because you kind of touched on earlier a lot of times the doctors are hands on because they're still kind of winging some of this stuff and figuring it out too so is it something that you feel like you kind of hit a ceiling or can you continue to break through that or, or, you know, say go to a different avenue and, and work with a different set of animals or, or what have you? Yeah, I, uh, you know, again, I think maybe depending on where you're at, it can be different. I was personally where I'm currently at, I was sort of um, at this stage of where they've outlined positions at a ceiling if I wanted to remain a technician. Um, of course, I could explore other avenues, but I do believe that where I'm going, I, I do think that there's a lot of advancement. And then also it just depends on like what type of, you know, technician you want to be because, I, you know, I haven't done any what would you say? Like, you know, you can always be challenging yourself to go different places. And I do think that there is opportunity in my future now to get to travel more with CE, you know, go to conferences that Mm -hmm. are maybe in uh, more exotic areas, things like that. So I I do look forward to that. I don't feel I've hit a ceiling. Um, But I also think that's a personal thing too, because again, even where I'm at, maybe there isn't a higher tier of technician or any like role wise, but I do think that you can always push yourself personally and be looking for opportunities to grow. So I I look forward to what's to come. I don't know, you know, what type of role I'll be playing in 15 years from now. I don't, I love being a technician, but I'm starting to wonder if the body can (laughs) be the technician forever. (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I, that's why I work remotely from home. (laughs) That's one thing. <laughs> That's one thing that I like about being, or I shouldn't even say like, that I love about being an RBT. And I do tell this to people that are thinking about getting their license is it was the smartest choice I ever made because you do have a lot of opportunity and, you know, you can 
change direction in the field. And, you know, if I wanted to start selling, you know, animal insurance, I could go do that and make good money probably doing that. And so there's, you know, the, the job can look really different. And I, I love that. I love that there's a lot of options with it. For sure. Well, I also think in terms of like, Jeff, like you said, with advancement, there may not be like as many levels as there is in the small animal world. But I, I would think that your job is always going to be exciting and refreshing because, you know, Jeff, you and I can see all the cats and dogs in the world, but you've got an endless supply of different species that have all the different challenges yeah. associated with it that is, is going to make your job fresh every single day. So I, I think in that in that term, I mean, you, you don't, yeah. there's no limit to what, what you can do there. Yeah, it's really diverse. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember, um, Dave, the, the year we tested for our exam in San Diego, Stephen Satal took a couple of us on at like a behind the scenes tour at the wild animal park. And mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, some of the stuff I saw at that hospital, like they opened up their giant freezer of all of the different plasma <laughs> that they had from all the different species. Because every time an animal was anesthetized, they drew blood and spun plasma. So they had it in the future. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I remember I, I couldn't even tell you what species it was, but one species had a, it was green plasma, like <laughs> literally looked like ecto cooler. And I was just like blown away. I had, I had zero desire to do that kind of work, but it was just so fascinating. Like you're saying, Rochelle, like as an RBT, there are so many things you can do. Like you were saying earlier, it's, it can be competitive. You kind of got to hustle a little bit and like mm-hmm. put yourself in uncomfortable situations and put yourself out there and make it happen. But I mean, there's just so much cool stuff we can do. It's it's like endless. Yeah, it is so cool. And I am, I almost say spoiled because I am never bored. I mean, there is just an endless supply <laughs> of diversity and then also just things to do. I, I'm, I still really, truly, I learn something new almost every day, I would say. Yeah. And I, I hope to continue that because I like that. I like you know, not yeah, always uh, knowing every single facet and, and continuously growing. It's stimulating. In your new role, will it be kind of like you are now? Do you know maybe even yet that where you do work on all of those other species or are you, is it something where you're going to be more in like a, a segment or an area of the park and work with a few species or kind of all over and whatever's in there, you're in there and doing it? Yeah, I'll have to. Um, hopefully brief you once I know a little bit more, but I do, (laughs) I do, I do know that my role will be very similar in the fact that as a technician, we have like the coolest job in the whole world because we get to work with all the animals. So, you know, if you are a keeper or a trainer, um, you know, not saying that you can't work with a ton of them in your career, but usually you're pretty focused at, you know, one at a time. And I, you know, again, it's every animal, every species, anything that needs a medical attention, I will be involved with. So I look forward to that. So you've worked in small animal clinics. And, you know, now that you're working more with aquatic species and now wildlife, just kind of comparing the two, give us an example of something that, you know, those of us that have only worked with small animals uh, or, or, or just large what you animal call them? Domest- or, yeah, or, or, yeah. yeah, or large animal, something that you do that is like routine for you that those of us that only work in like small animal clinics would be amazed by. Hmm. Like what, what is something that, that you do? Like, like, is there something different with blood draws? Is there something different with um, vital signs that you have to deal with or, or medications or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'd say that, uh, again, like sometimes anesthetizing an animal is for 
um, in, in small animal is for a procedure that has to happen. Or, I mean, obviously there's general, you mm -hmm. know, d dental cleaning and things like that. But with right. this, you know, we really, if, if we need to take a close look, most animals are anesthetized. So everything is kind of anesthesia, anesthesia, but yeah. radiographs, um, that's huge. You know, um, we're doing that to get answers often. And like you said, even, even blood draws, it, it's really, it's stimulating because each animal you do collect from maybe a different area, like a, like a dolphin would potentially be a, a tail fluke and, you know, uh, a penguin, not saying that there aren't other locations to obtain blood, but, you know, typically we would do a jugular vein. And then, you know, that you're constantly asking yourself, where is the vein that I am going to hit and what does it look like? <laughs> because it is different <laughs> because, you know, they're not all palpable. They're not all visual. There's things where it's an anatomy dictates kind of stick. And, you know, so that's the kind of thing with, with maybe say dogs and cats, you do get pretty used to, okay, it's going to be this every time. And with, with, yeah. the, with wildlife, it's even a blood draw can be slightly different depending on whatever animal it is, you know, is it, a, okay, now I'm doing a sea mm. turtle blood. Well, that's different. And I have to hold, you know, the neck a certain way and it has to be stretched out. And I know that now, if I didn't know that, you know, and the animal tries to squat back, I might not know how to get that vein you know so setting yourself up for success so it's, it's stimulating to kind of remember those things and archive them you know i used to keep a <laughs> a book of all the different species i had worked with starting out because it's amazing you know even i want to say like a quadamundi the first time i i did that i was like oh i touched a quadamundi you know i've, I've worked with one what is what is that i, like I don't even know what family <laughs> But okay. It's a cute like zoo <laughs> raccoon. I get not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but just you know, lots, I lots of it. variety. Super cool. Well, we're uh, we're approaching our hour here, so uh, in interest of of not taking up too much of your time. But uh, one last question I would have for you is: Is there anything we didn't touch on in the type of practice you've been doing at SeaWorld? Maybe what you'll be doing that you want to talk about to get out to our listeners. Uh, maybe somebody that's interested in doing this in the future wants to get started, what have you. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you would like to get out there to our listeners? Sure. I mean, one thing I just, as a reminder, I kind of briefly touched on it, but just to emphasize the rescue element of SeaWorld, I think a lot of people uh, know that uh, we do have the animals at the park and that they're ocean animals. Um, some have even come to know about the rides and things like that because it is an amusement park. It isn't... Um, you know, it is uh, not a zoo. It's it is an amusement park with animals. But the rescue element is so cool and really, really, really fulfilling and, and wonderful. And they uh, continuously are rescuing and returning animals to the wild. And that's my f like favorite part of the job that I do right now is being a part of that. But then, uh, you know, also I I think staying confident in yourself and if you do have a a dream following it, even if it seems really difficult to obtain, if you really do set your mind to it, I can now safely say that you can do it because <laughs> I did it. And, you know, I, there's, <laughs> it's hard. It's easy to like, you know, uh, maybe settle in and, and think uh, what's, what's the next chapter hold? Is this it? And I think that we can always be like growing and expanding. So to not 
doubt yourself as a technician. If you have goals, make sure you go after them because you really can get there. It might seem hard, but you can. I think that's great to hear too about SeaWorld and the rescue, the rehab and the return. Cause I, I mean, I, I live in Southern California. I, I don't know much about that. So it's, it's great to hear that, that they are an active part of that. And because I, th- I think that's just something that a lot of people don't know or, or don't really right. associate SeaWorld with. I, I know I wouldn't have, so it's really cool to hear that. So now we're gonna we're gonna turn the the camera around and say, is there somebody that you would like to put in your seat right now? Is there is there another person that we should interview, or even just a topic that we should explore uh, in an upcoming episode? You know, it's funny. I have I've met a lot of technicians along the way. Phil Snow actually would probably be an interesting one because he is somebody that one I respect and adore, but Two, he's flexing his, you know, RBT muscle in a different way, just like you, Jeff. And I think that's a really cool avenue. And what is he doing? He's a teacher as well, you know. And oh, okay. Yeah, Great. I just think that that's neat. I, I like... I like the exploration of like where you could go in the field. There's so many different ways to be an RBT and I think that's cool. And I think knowing those options make it better for people, you know. Absolutely. That's a huge part of what we want to do here. So definitely on point there. All right, Rochelle. Now we are, we are ready for your, would you rather question? Are you ready for it? I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. So this is kind of related to, to the work that you're doing. Would you rather eat a live fish (laughs) Or drink curdled milk. Oh, um, sushi all day, every day. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but it's, no, but it's no, live. No, but be, still, live it's close enough to sushi <laughs> that it would be okay. No, I, there would be no realm in which I would ever agree to drinking curdled milk, I believe. <laughs> so a live fish is, I, is close enough to sushi. I love That's the a good answer. There. Like, no hesitation. Never no curdled doubt. milk ever. <laughs> Whatever the other option is, most likely it's the other one i love it that's great well uh rochelle thank you so much for uh for your time today yeah thank you um coming by the cafe to to talk to our listeners about uh, working in the the field that you're in it's so cool to hear about it's great to reconnect with you and and see what you're doing last i knew you were off to take your rvt exam (laughs) maybe 10 years ago and thanks for preparing me (laughs) so to hear the trail you blazed is super cool as you just said like all of the different things rvts can do and it's endless and it's it's super cool so uh it was great to great to hear about all that today thank you so much for your time really appreciate it thank you it was such a pleasure i i really appreciate you having me on you bet well, caffeinators, uh, thanks again for coming by the Vet Tech Cafe. Dave, I hope you uh, survive your, or by this time, time this airs, you survive. By the time it uploads, your, we'll your, find out. Your half inch of snow. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to everybody again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey caffeinators! 
We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.